It's John chapter 14, beginning to read at verse 15. Jesus said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 2011, Rolling Stone magazine voted Jimi Hendrix the greatest guitarist of all time. They said his rise was meteoric. No one before him or since him had really produced anything quite like what he did. There was no telling what he could have become. But in the book Search for Peace, Robert McGee and Donald Saper tell the following story. In 1970, at the end of one of Jimi Hendrix's concerts, the audience screamed and applauded, but suddenly the frenzied applause stopped. Hendrix had fallen on his knees and was staying in that position, motionless. He broke the stillness by asking, If you know real peace, I want to visit with you backstage. Apparently no one responded to his startling invitation. Several days later, he died from an overdose of drugs. Peace is a serious thing. But our struggle for peace appears in several more, less dramatic ways every day, doesn't it? Often... If I'm coming home from work, I'm thinking, looking forward to a quiet, restful evening. And Mandy is looking forward to a quiet, restful evening. And that seems like it should be no problem. But, but one of us has to take care of Kara, at least one of us. And that can put that desire for peace in danger. 
One of us may not have the peaceful evening we're envisioning, we're looking forward to. In fact, one of us may resent that the other person is having a peaceful evening, and that will destroy both our peace. And then there are enemies of peace which we have no control over, aren't there? The illnesses, the accidents, even the the simple fact that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The, The odds against us having peace seem insurmountable. And yet, when Paul writes his list of the fruit of the Spirit, he he includes peace. He says that Christians, because of the work of the Holy Spirit in them, can and should experience peace. A peace which, as Andrew has already said, passes understanding. And Jesus himself, in the reading we heard, says, My peace I give to you. We're meant to have and experience peace. So I want us this morning just to to dwell on those six words of Jesus, my peace I give to you. And I want to pray now that as we we hear those words, as we we look at them, as we see them, we wouldn't simply grasp with our minds, we feel in our hearts the Holy Spirit producing his peace. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us your peace. We pray now that this morning whatever our situation, whatever our life, whatever we're facing in the current week, we would know your Holy Spirit working in us, producing peace that the world cannot give and that passes our understanding. Amen. So what Jesus gives to his disciples and therefore to us who trust him is astonishing. He says, my peace I give to you, my peace. So what is his peace? Well, it's first of all a peace with his Father. It's a a relational peace. It's not just him on his own having peace. It's a peace he has because he has peace with his Father. And this immediately cuts against a lot of what the world says about peace. See, the world says in many ways you get peace by getting away, detaching yourself, get isolated, cut yourself off. Listen to the words of Sam Harris, one of the new atheists, writing of his experience at the Sea of Galilee. He says, As I gazed at the surrounding hills, a feeling of peace came over me. It soon grew to a blissful stillness that silenced my thoughts. In an instant, the sense of being a separate self, an I or a me, vanished. I no longer felt separate from the scene, peering at the world from behind my eyes. Only the world remained. He, He just dissolves into the world. We, we don't have a, a relationship anymore because there's no people to have a relationship with. If you're going to have peace, the world says, get away, get alone. You won't find peace at the Sea of Galilee if you're in the middle of the lake in the middle of a storm in danger of drowning. As Christians, we can fall into the same trap though it's tempting to, to look for peace ourselves by detaching from the world. Man, Mandy and I have half-jokingly said to each other more than once, it'd be so much easier to be a Christian if you didn't have to deal with people. But that, I realize, preparing this sermon, is, is not true peace. You see, that the peace which Jesus offers is a peace of relationships, firstly with God, firstly with God, and then with others. 
Secondly, the peace of Jesus is an eternal peace. There was never a time when the Son did not have peace with the Father and the Spirit. There was never a time when they misunderstood each other or disagreed with each other or got in the way of each other's desires and plans. From all eternity, the Son has enjoyed perfect peace with his Father. He's never lost that peace, and he never can. It's an eternal peace. Thirdly, it's an assured peace. Jesus has the peace of of knowing exactly who he is in the relationship with his Father. Uh, There's no doubt about it because the Father tells him so. At his baptism, that the Spirit comes down on him and the Father says, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. See, Jesus has that, that peace of knowing he is loved, he is accepted, he is rejoiced over. He doesn't need to prove himself. He, he doesn't fear the Father's disapproval. He has no anxiety over whether the Father will think the same of him tomorrow or the next day. He doesn't even have to guess at what the Father is thinking or feeling because the Father tells him. He makes it abundantly clear, you are my beloved son, he says. He's assured of his peace. And fourthly, it's a deserved peace. Jesus has peace because he knows that at every step of the way, at every point in his life, he's faithfully loved and obeyed his Father. He's always said the right thing. He's always thought the right thing. He's always done the right thing. And he's never failed to do or think or say what is right and necessary. So often we we lose our peace, don't we, because because we've messed up or or we fear that we'll get found out for what we've done wrong. We, We worry over whether we should have said that thing or or whether we should have said something at all. Our our emotions can play havoc with us as we doubt and fear and worry. But Jesus never had any of those problems. He enjoys his perfect peace because he loves and obeys his Father perfectly. And this would all be wonderful and astonishing and, and utterly dispiriting for us if that was all it was. But it's not, because Jesus says, my peace I give to you. My peace, he says, that the peace that I enjoy with the Father and the Spirit, my my eternal and assured and deserved peace, I give to you. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean to be given the peace of Jesus? Well, it means that our our peace now doesn't depend on us or our circumstances. We we don't have to get away and get alone to have peace. We don't have to be sitting on a hill by the Sea of Galilee when everything else is quiet and we don't have anything to worry about. We, We can actually be on the Sea of Galilee in a storm in a boat in fear of drowning and have peace because it's not our peace. We, we can be in the middle of the supermarket at its busiest time with children who are hungry and realize that we've left the shopping list at home and as we leave, we realize we've left the keys in the car and we can still have peace because it's not our peace. 
We, we can be in the midst of grief or depression or fear or suffering, whatever it is, and, and have all the consequences of that and all the storm of that going on around us and still somehow have peace because it's not our peace. We, we can get into work tomorrow and find that two colleagues are off sick and we've got their workload and it's got to be done by the end of the week and still have peace because it's not our peace. It's Jesus's peace. It's his eternal, assured, unlosable peace that he gives to us so that our circumstances don't determine our peace. It also means that that we don't have to go anywhere else to find peace. See, the world also tries to sell us peace through distraction, whether it's buying stuff or playing or work or whatever it is. Get your mind off things. Just distract yourself. There was an article on the BBC website this week about people who are decluttering, trying to get rid of some of the stuff that they have. One person said, people gather stuff to protect themselves. It's an illusion, though. It doesn't make them happy. It's a cover-up. We get so busy maintaining stuff, keeping it, making sure there's a place for it. It's not greed. It's trying to fill up a hole that's so big, it will never be filled. But then, it won't be long before people find that decluttering isn't the path to peace either. When one of these things that we try to distract ourselves with stops working, we we just move on to the next thing, and each time we're buying diminishing amounts of peace. And in the midst of that, Jesus comes and says, my peace I give to you. You don't need to go anywhere else. My peace is more than sufficient for you. But finally, it means that we no longer depend on the approval of others for our peace. So often our our peace can be destroyed by by the fear of what other people will think of us, especially, in fact, those closest to us. We we hide what we truly are in fear that, that our friends would actually run a mile if they really knew what we were like. We work so hard to try and ensure that the people who love us will continue to love us. In in church, we we shrink back from being truly open just for fear of shame or embarrassment or or losing that piece of of other people thinking well of us. But, But when we receive the peace of Jesus, we receive the peace that he has with the Father, that acceptance, that love, that delight that the words that were spoken to him, you are my beloved son, get spoken to us. You are my beloved son or daughter. And so that frees us to be open. We're free, in fact, to confess and repent. We're free to be honest about ourselves, to, to admit when we've made a mistake. That, that is a peace that the world cannot give. Listen to what Festo Kivinjere, who's a bishop in Uganda during the reign of Idi Amin, said. At one time, William Nagenda and I were sharing an exhausting preaching itinerary overseas. Along the way, I became jealous of the success of my brother. 
I became critical of everything he said. Every sentence was wrong or ungrammatical or unscriptural. His gestures were hypocritical. Everything about my brother was wrong, wrong, wrong. The more I criticized, the colder I became. I was icy and lonely and homesick. At last, I repented and then had to face the difficult task of admitting my bad attitude to William. We were about to start off for a meeting where we were to preach together, and I said, William, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You sensed the coldness. Yes, I I felt the coldness, but I don't know what happened. What is it? I became jealous of you. Please forgive me. That dear brother got up and hugged me, and we both shared tears of reconciliation. My heart was warm, and when he preached, the message spoke to me deeply. That the peace of Christ gives us space to be real with each other because we have the approval that we need from our Father, and so we're free to be honest with each other. But I want to close just by reflecting what it meant for Jesus to give us his peace. See, he spoke these words to his disciples on the night of his betrayal. He knew what was coming. He says in verse 30, I'll not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He knew what he was doing. He was continuing the loving obedience to his father by submitting to death. And and as he gives his disciples his peace... He is committing himself to take on all their fear and their anxiety and their turmoil and their guilt and their shame all the way to death. He's he's giving up his eternal and assured and deserved peace out of love for his Father and out of love for us. He's deciding at that point when he says, my peace I give to you, saying, I'm taking on that the full darkness of, of utter God-forsakenness so that you will never, ever have to be forsaken by God. The peace Jesus offers us is not cheap. It cost him everything. And it's a peace that we know all too well what we need and the world we live in desperately needs. So as we go... Let's pray that the Spirit would produce more of that peace of Jesus in us so that, so that the world can see, not simply hear, but see in us the peace of Christ, that we can go and give it to them. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you gave up your Son And he gave up his peace so that we could have it and enjoy it and give it away. And we pray that you would increase your peace in us, between us, among us, so that we can go and share that with a world that desperately needs it. Amen.